0: Let us pray. Lord Jesus, wake us up. Help us to be awake to one another. Awake to your word. And awake to your presence among us when we gather two or more. We pray this in your most holy name. Amen. She and I were neighbors once. We grew up next door to each other on a street full of split levels in the suburb of Akron, Ohio. And in the winter, the small hill between our houses became a sledding run, starting on her driveway and ending on mine. Her front porch was where we spent countless summer afternoons in collective boredom. We watched the same TV shows, we attended the same church, and walked to catholic school together for years our families were next door neighbors for more than four decades we'd return to those homes occasionally for years after we moved out meeting up on driveways once in a while catching up more deeply at parents' funerals now both houses have been sold and the street isn't ours anymore are we still neighbors we do have one thing that connects us still and that is facebook as neighborhoods go it is a very limited one there are no sledding hills or front porches to sit on there are only teeny tiny windows that allow brief glimpses of children's milestones family trips and occasional promotion and even though we can curate what friends we place there. I've come to regard Facebook as a really dangerous neighborhood. Real conversation is limited and brief and other things are far more revealing. Like the memes that get posted, the rants in all caps the complex social realities that get reduced to angry slogans and misleading spins, those polarized debates in the comment section. Of course, in the Facebook neighborhood, I can ignore or hide or delete people whose ideas I don't like, but I hesitate to unfriend people who are rooted in my real geography, who come from streets whose names I know. But thanks to Facebook, it became very clear that she and I had landed on the opposite side of just about all the things that divide our country right now. And these aren't simply differences of opinion or party platforms. We are in a real moral conflict about who matters in our society, and about how history is remembered, and what behaviors are defensible or condemnable. We each are telling different stories about who is virtuous and who is bringing our country down. We would each say of ourselves, she and I, that our heart is in the right place. The same time, on these matters, she and I are not even close. So I was really surprised when she reached out the other day after I replied to something she shared. I don't like commenting on these kinds of posts as a rule. It feels like a fruitless tug-of-war, like I'm going to get pulled down into some rabbit hole I'll never get out of but I do tend to respond just enough to indicate that there are other views out there. They may be held by old friends. And she reached out the way that old friends do. How's your family? How's your mom? It was a little disorienting, really, like one of those soccer matches that break out in the middle of a war zone. We had, A lovely written exchange, catching up, explaining ourselves a bit more. She told me about her family and what she's been doing. I told her about mine and where I am now. She said she was proud of what I had become, trying to make the world better for everyone. I was touched, of course. And I began to think, well, there's something to reflect on. She'd suddenly snapped into a more complete human being from a neighborhood that I recognized, asking for prayer for family members that I had held dear for a day. And then the next polarized post appeared. I wrote a friendly response from the other side. Agree to disagree, she replied. Always a loyal friend to the end, no matter what. Emoticons of hearts. flowers hmm are we still neighbors and what are the rules of engagement now how do I honor what looks like openness while avoiding the trap of that old neighborhood rule don't criticize your own today's scriptures offer some perspective on what it means to stand in this difficult place with a neighbor Someone with whom I have personal history, past affection, present regard, and deep disagreement. Is it enough to agree to disagree? Is loyalty the same as respect? Should peace come at any price? Here is the advice that the author of Matthew gives to his congregation, whose members identify as the people of Israel and who have been engaging in this sort of community correction since Deuteronomy. If another member of the church sins against you, go and point out the fault when the two of you are alone. If the member listens to you, you have regained that one. But if you are not listened to, Take one or two others along with you so that every word may be confirmed by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If the member refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if the offender refuses to listen even to the church, let such a one be to you as a Gentile or a tax collector. Now, when I first read through this scripture in preparation for this Sunday, I didn't like it. It looked a little too intolerant, a little coercive, with a threat of excommunication on the side. But after sitting with it a while, I began to see something different. Matthew's community wasn't a full-fledged church like St. Martin's. It had no canons or creed. But it was a congregation trying to hold itself together using the tools of compassion, courageous conversation, forgiveness, and an invitation to return. As always, it helps to read the whole chapter, chapter 18. Overall though, it recognizes that harm to one or a few threatens the whole community. And it in turn jeopardizes the big project of expanding the kingdom of God. Now, Paul says more succinctly to the faith community in Rome what he means. The commandments, he writes, are summed up in this word. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. So I take this advice from today's scriptures. Love of neighbor requires the courage to speak up against the harm that they engage in, not just harm to me, but to others as well. Because neighbor implies neighborhood and neighborhood implies community, all harm inevitably becomes communal harm systemic harm and repair requires a community conversation and action and it must always include a way of return now when the author of matthew suggests that the recalcitrant be ultimately treated as a gentile or a tax collector recall that elsewhere in the gospel These are the people that Jesus eats with and invites into the kingdom. The namesake of the gospel was a tax collector himself. So this can be interpreted as an open door rather than a closed one. But how do I bring this biblical insight into the matter at hand? And indeed to any of the difficult conversations that I have, whether they're on Facebook or With people in my own ecclesia my own church there are some issues especially where people's well-being and human dignity are in peril that I can't agree to disagree but I will agree to look for opportunities that invite courageous dialogue I will agree to speak my truth from a place of love. I will agree to keep a door open to a different future. For me, keeping those agreements in the hot-tempered encounters of today will require surrender. To prayer, to the grace of God, to the power of the cross and the presence of the Holy Spirit, all of this, supported by life in the body of Christ. And that is something that the church has known about from its very beginning. Amen.